This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Fire up for pro football. That's what we call a sack lunch. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad. Wouldn't kill you. We'd play some competitive sports once in a while, wouldn't it? Oh, would that make you love me? Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Football Sunday. Red Zone's on the TV. Week one of the NFL season. Well, it's already underway. We already had the Falcons-Eagles game. Maybe we should spend a little time before we get into Le'Veon Bell on what on earth Steve Sarkeesian is doing in the red zone for the Falcons. Um, it's nothing good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, red zone's on the TV. First Sunday of NFL football is here. Your fantasy teams are locked and loaded, and uh, we are ready to go. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell you're very excited, man. I'm ready to go as well. Um, so let, let's start there. We do have uh, West Coast Bias coming up next. And we've got the Hater Love It segment coming up at 10.30. But before we get into Le'Veon Bell, who I do want to get to, just briefly, watching the Thursday night game to open the season, the Falcons and the Eagles, was exactly like watching the playoff game between the two of them last year. It was an identical game. The quarterback play was bad. The defensive play was good. And Steve Sarkeesian has no idea what to do in the red zone, even though he has one of the best, tallest, most big-body receivers in the uh, in the NFL and Julio Jones. And all we heard all offseason was Julio was going to be more involved in the red zone. And on their first red zone drive, they went for it on fourth and goal. All four plays, Julio Jones wasn't even on the field. And then they put him into the game later in the red zone. And all Matt Ryan did was throw the ball out of the end zone and not allow him to catch it. MVP. On the final play of the season of the game, fourth down and goal, they throw it to Julio, who caught the ball, but they threw it to him out of bounds. So he landed out of bounds because the uh, the Eagles defender who was on him, can't remember who it was, dragged him out. That's no longer a rule where there's the the pushed out of bounds thing. I remember from six years ago or whatever it was. So they they're either not throwing it to Julio, or they're throwing it to Julio out of bounds for no reason, and. I don't understand Sark just do a little inside crossing routes for the strongest, biggest receiver in the NFL right now, outside of Rob Gronkowski, just get, stop fading it into the corner. So Matt Ryan throws it out. You got to give him a chance to catch the ball. He, he was dumb. He was the only offense. The Falcons had all game was Julio Jones and they couldn't find a way to get him in the end zone. It's yeah. crazy. No, it's, it's definitely nuts. The, the way that game, ended overall kind of a boring game like for the first game of football for the year uh you don't think that it's going to be uh that kind of slow you know and you you would think like an, an offense like the Falcons would be able to kind of move the ball a, a little bit better than they actually were so 
I, I don't know. I, I thought that play, those plays to, to Julio were really strange because I'm like you. It was like, why aren't you just running like a, a crossing route? Why aren't you just run, run, send Julio on well, a slant? And I don't mind throwing a fade, or on, but on stop a throwing it out of bounds. Yeah, like I, I'm one of those people that's of the belief that, man, if it's Julio Jones one-on-one with somebody, hey, man, just turn around and jump. I got you, bro. We'll exactly. go from there. Exactly. So I don't, I don't really get that play, but it's Sark doing Sark things. Yeah, it was, it was very Sark-like. And also Matt Ryan had a really bad game. He missed – Everybody. He was underthrowing and throwing behind receivers the entire game. He looked bad. He did not look like a good good quarterback in week one. It was very strange. It was a weird game. I know in week one, there's rust. Teams aren't always fully up to speed yet, uh, especially with how many teams were fully resting guys in the preseason this year. But, I mean, it was, it was an ugly game. Matt Ryan looked afraid to make a mistake in the red zone. And so every time that he put a ball up that should have been a jump ball for a guy like Julio Jones. It was 10 feet over his reach. And so you're thinking, well, okay, so you're just afraid that you're going to make a, uh, you're, you're not going to make a play here. Um, so, so that was the problem with, on, on the passing side, you definitely did a good job of getting Julio involved, which I think at times, in the past has been a problem. You either have them really involved or you don't have them involved enough. I th- you had them too involved is the problem. Now you didn't get you didn't get guys like Ridley and Sanu going. Um, you didn't really get Tevin Coleman passes out of the backfield. You didn't decide to just do the power running game and run it in on that first drive. And then to be honest, I under I understand going for it on fourth down, but when you think about it on hindsight. You go for that three points in the beginning of the game. You have that three points. In the end of the game, you don't have to play for the win. You can get a tie, and you can go in there and try to get another quarter's length of time to seal the deal. Instead, you're in there trying to do desperation time in the red zone, which clearly you need a lot of work on. That They are they are atrocious in the red zone. Yeah, they are. They absolutely are. So that was week uh, – the Eagles won week one. Nick Foles played awful, too. It was really bad quarterback in play. Uh, all around in, in the first game, but uh, hopefully we see some better play today. Let's uh, switch gears here before we uh, run out of time to the Le'Veon Bell situation. A very, very, very mixed bag of reports out there about Le'Veon Bell. I saw one earlier today that said some in the league think he might miss more than half the season uh, holding out. I saw one today from Schefter that said many view Bell as uh, only going to be out until the end of the month, so a couple of games. What do you make of this whole Le'Veon Bell situation? Um. I'm okay. Le'Veon is on my fantasy team. Le'Veon was my first pick in our fantasy draft. That being said, man, I want to see him on the field. But the 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 professional in me is saying, "Hey, man, get your money. You don't play without a contract." And I mean, say what you want to about Le'Veon Bell, from the suspension for the from the the marijuana DUI thing and the the possibly PED thing and all the stuff, man, Le'Veon Bell has done everything for the Steelers organization that he's been asked to do. And all he's done is really produce for this organization. And so for them to come out, some of his players to come out and say, oh, well, one thing is not about Le'Veon, man, your run game was good with without him, but with, with him, you're, oh, you're, you're unstoppable almost. And so for some of those players to come out and, and say what they said about Le'Veon. You mean just just get paid next season? No, get paid now. What do you mean? Like, and mind you, I'm I understand he turned down a what a ninety, you know, what I'm saying, or excuse me, eighteen million dollar 
uh, $14 million? What 14 is it? Million, I think it's $14 million franchise tender. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But here's somebody who's looking for longevity. Here's somebody that probably has a family that wants to be able to band, keep his house and know where his kids are going to school and all those things. If you're telling me, you tell me I haven't done enough for you. That's what you're, that's what the Steelers are basically saying to Le'Veon Bell. It's like you haven't done enough for this organization to warrant this money. It, it's Did, such, he Did Sean Watson throw an interception? No, they fumbled in the first play. Okay. Um, the uh, the weird thing to me about this is is twofold. A, he for months had the full support of his teammates. And then the day he doesn't show up a day later than they thought he would, 95% of them Everybody throw him under on. the bus. That's weird. And I, I understand it a little bit. Like, Le'Veon Bell is not thinking about the team here, correct? And football and all sports, it's all about the team, right? You got to think about the team. But on the flip side of it is Le'Veon Bell's taking a stand for himself, and he's taking a stand for making money that he thinks he deserves, and I agree with him that he deserves. He's the best running back in the league or one of the best running backs in the league, and the Steelers are refusing to pay him, and they're going to try to get every ounce of of work out of him, paying him as little as they can before he takes a massive contract to probably go play somewhere else because Pittsburgh obviously doesn't want to pay him. So it's a tough kind of middle ground of he needs to stand up for himself, and I think this is a good moment for all players who are trying to get paid big money for someone this big to stand up for himself and to sit out um, because you you kind of want guaranteed contracts in the NFL, right? You want players to be able to get paid the money they, they deserve. But then again, you also want to be able to play for the team. That's why it's such a tough thing for, for Le'Veon Bell right now. Uh, um, yeah, you – yes, but I, I feel like the team is is acting as if um, he's he hasn't done his part. You know, like Le'Veon hasn't been uh, the driving force of what this offense is able to do. Everybody wants to really point to Antonio Brown, and rightfully so. Antonio Brown – is a huge part of what the Steelers have been able to do. But when they're able to go and they're, when they're at their best, it's because that man, Le'Veon Bell, is in the backfield and making things happen for them. So you're basically telling him that the team, your, your teammates as well, is that, man, you you haven't done enough. And we, we, we get it, but we don't get it. You should be here with us. It's like, no, man, I've been loyal to the organization. They should be loyal to me at this point and pay me. And if not, all they're doing is just – paving a road for Le'Veon to say, man, I'm out of here. I'm not going to stay. Even if you do offer me a contract, yeah, I'm good. You've shown me how you already feel about me. So I'm okay. I'm, I'm ready to move on. To me, it's not about who's the more the driving force, Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell. In the reality of it, they probably have about the same amount of years as like superstars in the league as far as what's on left on their career. They both – honestly have probably had better careers because of each other than they would have without because let's face it you can't double team Antonio without um, taking somebody out of the box you can't shove somebody in the box without taking away somebody from the passing game so these guys thrive on the ability that because of each other you you can't uh, you you can't do certain things on defense now on the flip side what you're looking at as far as a man who's playing one of the most brutal positions in all of sports with most money not guaranteed in these sports, and granted, a franchise tag is guaranteed, but for one year, this guy wants multiple years. He's looking around the league. He's seeing what Todd Gurley just got. He's seeing what 
um, David Johnson just got yesterday with $30 million guaranteed out of a $39 million contract. He's, after missing a whole year with a wrist after injury. After missing a whole year with a wrist injury. And now he's saying, where's mine? I'm catching more balls than any other running back. I'm um, touching the ball more than any other running back. And now it's time for you to, to repay the love. And so I get it. I yeah, totally I'll a thousand percent get it. Um, as a teammate, I get where they're coming from, but they should also kind of understand where he's coming from being there in the same league fighting for the same thing. And that being guaranteed contract. And that is the, the weird thing about this to me is every other running back is getting paid all of them except for Le'Veon Bell and Le'Veon Bell's probably the best of all of them. And that just shows you the, I, I guess disrespect of the, of the Steelers for him. I, I understand why they're doing it. I get it, but it, it's disrespectful to their best player who granted has had some issues, you know, has had some suspensions and stuff like that. But you know, if you, I think you need to pay the man and I think they know that and they just don't want to do it because they want to protect their salary cap in, in whatever way, shape or form. All right, let's break. Uh, just want to give you a quick update. Gronk has a touchdown already for the Patriots. Alex Collins just ran it in for a touchdown for the Ravens. Alvin Kamara has a touchdown already for the saints. Um, think that's uh, all the touchdowns we've seen thus far. A couple of field goals were kicked. The uh, the Titans kicked one. Oh, so, and so, uh, Andrew Luck and Andy Dalton threw back-to-back interceptions. So, <laughs> uh, Andrew and Andy. Um, so and, and both were really ugly interceptions as well. So that's your, your catch-up so far in the early slate of NFL games. We'll keep you up to date on what's going on. Coming up next, it's time for the West Coast Bias. This is Football Sunday on the Fan. It's time for some West Coast flavor. Yes, this is the center of the football universe. Don't oversell it. I'm not selling anything. Come on, stop milking it. I had an ear in my lungs. I'd scream at you. This is West Coast Bias, an in-depth look at the NFL's Western teams on Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. <laughs> this text in the Better You Today text line 55305 from one of our main P1s. Just think. The Bengals could have had A.J. McCarron throwing interceptions instead. See? <laughs> Missed opportunities. They could have. Well, now, now they just have Andy. Andy Dalton looks really bad. He just he looks as bad as we thought he was a couple of years ago. It's not not pretty so far in this Bengals-Colts game. West Coast bias today. Uh, I, I didn't really know where I wanted to go with this, but I think I want to start this year's West Coast bias segments with the best team on the West coast. And that is the Los Angeles Rams of Los Angeles. And the reason I want to start there is because I think what they've done is kind of fascinating. And it's usually, it goes against everything that I believe in, in building a team in any sport, but the the Rams really have gone all in right now. The Rams want to win in this year and maybe next year. And that's all they're going to be able to do because they went out and got all the big players that were available. Keep to um, they got Ndamukong Sue, et cetera. And they finally gave Aaron Donald the contract he deserved. So they paid big money to him. And they went out and they got Brandon Cooks. And they're just giving money to everybody. They've completely blown out any idea of building a young team or being able to, to currently use those young players because they brought in a lot of really good veteran players. And they're only going to be able to keep this team together for one or two years before they need to pay Jared Goff, whose contract is up in two years, I believe it is. It's fascinating to me that they are going so hard in right now when last year was their first year being good. (laughs) 
And I'm just curious if it's going to work out. It's such an interesting strategy because I, I normally feel like teams need to kind of do like a, it's like a half and half. You, you commit some money here, but you have some young guys who you're building up and you see who's good. And then you put those guys into big money and you kind of just start doing that rotation. And the Rams are just saying, eh, we've got Gurley, we've got Goff. Let's just, let's just go blow it out the rest of the way. So the defense is really, really good. I mean, to me on paper, it should work. They're, they're a really, really, really good team. Um, I just, I'm curious if it will. The NFL is tough to to win. Um, Super Bowls, I, I mean. No, it it really is. But I, I think the Rams are like you said. They're they're in all they're in all in mode right now. And I think you could say the same thing about Philadelphia. They just went all in and said, you know what, man, whoever's available, whoever's good, man, we're gonna make our pitch. And and, and their pitches worked. You know, for for all these superstars they were able to bring in, uh, you're looking at an offense that showed last year that they could be really good with Gurley all of a sudden it kind of come really coming into his own and Higby and Brandon Cooks, you know, adding him this year and Robert Woods and, you know, then still being able to Cooper hang Cup. on. You know, there you go. Still being able to hang on to guys like Cooper Cup and then defensively, uh, you know, really adding guys like well, Marcus Peters to your to your roster and Indomitian Sue and already having Aaron Donald and, and uh Brockers. Like this is a team that's <laughs> They're they're ready and they're they're ready right now. You know I don't think that's going to be a long build for this team. Expect them to be right there in that NFC Championship hunt uh, come uh, January. Uh, Nathan Peterman's first drive as a Buffalo quarterback this year sacked on third and eleven. So just as good as we thought it was going to be, and, and the I, Jaguars almost got a safety and they called Saquon Barkley down at the one yard line. So so far, Jags defense looking very good again. And I think they're about to throw it to, okay, no, I was. They just got that. out of the the end zone. I, okay. I, I mean, I, I'm looking at this this Rams team, and I'm saying who in the NFC, at least uh, in the NFC West, is going to be able to stop them. There's not Nobody. there's not a team that's even close to what this team can do. The Niners are better, but their defense isn't the best. The Cardinals' defense is pretty good, but their offense isn't that good yet. We don't know about the quarterback situation. And then the Seahawks, we've talked about at length already this offseason. At least me, I'm all out on the Seahawks. I don't want anything to do with them this year. Some people think they're still going to play well. Russell Wilson will get them some wins, but they, they are a really, really, really bad roster right now. So, yeah, it's the Rams, and it's the Rams. Now, the question is, in the NFC, the NFC is the loaded league this year. You've got the Rams, you've got the Eagles, you've got the Vikings, you've got the Saints. Um, you've got, I guess the Falcons we were considering, although we, the Thursday game was not super great. Um, are they going to, are they going to be able to win now? Like they're trying to do in the NFC, which has five teams ready to win now. (laughs) And that's kind of the interesting part too, about this is they went for it knowing full well that the rest of the NFC was as tough as it was. Well, I think that I think of all the teams in the NFC, I think they're the most ready right now. I think they're the probably the most complete right now. The, the other team in the NFC is clearly the Eagles, but without them having their trigger man right now, you mentioned earlier, Nick Foles didn't look good in that first game of the season. And maybe it's because now people have a little more film on Nick Foles. And mind you, it's only week one, so he can still progress and he can still be that guy that went on that playoff run last year. But Or is is he this backup? And uh-oh, Terod went down or is down for a second, so... Might be Baker Mayfield he, time. He got back up. Okay. Yeah. Say, He's be. just taking a beating from Watt's brother. <laughs> but it's just I don't I don't see a team in the NFC really offensively or defensively that's going to be able to 
keep up with what this Rams team is able to offer right now. Well, I like the Vikings too. Vikings get Kirk Cousins, and he's a better quarterback than Case Keenum is, and uh, Dalvin Cook is healthy, and so their running game should be better than it is. Stephon Diggs, great receiver. Adam Thielen, great receiver. I think the Vikings are also on that level. Their defense last year was not as impressive as it should have been, but I think this year should be able to make a step back. So you've got them, and then the Saints too. Everyone's kind of forgetting about the Saints this year, but the Saints fixed their defense last year. And, oh, yeah, their offense has the most electric weapon in the NFL in Alvin Kamara, and they've got multiple receivers who can be good this year. This is a this is a team, to me, that can also be really, really good. So the Rams, yes, I agree, on paper, are the best team. But the thing that worries me about them a little bit is how young they are, is they've got Jared Goff, who out of all of the quarterbacks on those teams that I mentioned, Drew Brees, uh, Kirk Cousins, and eventually Carson Wentz, I trust Jared Goff the least of those four. Now, I think he could be the the best or second best out of that group, depending on how he, he continues to develop. But he has a lot of work to still do to get up to a level where I trust him on a, on a weekly basis. Todd Gurley's great. Uh, he's probably the best. He's definitely the best running back out of all those teams. But Brandon Cooks hasn't been able to, to be an impact player everywhere he's gone so far in the league. He's been good, but he's also been traded a lot. So there's something going on there. Is Robert Woods going to be able to do it again after not having anything in his career? And is Cooper Cup going to be able to do it again after having a solid first year? There's still, to me, there's still a lot of question marks with the Rams, despite how good they look on paper, for, for just to write them into the Super Bowl right, right away. You know, see, I don't have the same concerns about Brandon Cooks that a lot of other people have. Like, you know, for for as bad as he was last year as a Patriot, he still had a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. And that's with playing with a Gronkowski and who's clearly Tom Brady's number one target and still playing with an Edelman who was always a safety net for him underneath. And he was still able to come up with seven touchdowns, you know, for the season. So he's Brandon Cooks is somebody that can make it happen. I just think, you know, he can like most wide receivers, they can be divas. And I think Brandon Cooks is just as big a diva as an Odell Beckham or as anyone else. But at the same time, he's He's not giving you ODB production, but he's giving you production that you would want to see from any starter in the league. I, I think uh, Cooks is a really great receiver. He's a great receiver. Um, no team would be upset to have him on his on their roster now. And we here all love him because of the Oregon State ties and, and watching him for four years here. Yeah, and so I, I think honestly, around here we also probably evaluate him uh, with a little bit of um, bias, and so trying to take that away. I think Brandon Cooks is in the perfect situation because he's not in a situation where he needs to be the guy like an Odell Beckham, like a DeAndre Hopkins, like an Antonio Brown, where on the certain days where his skill sets, because he doesn't have like a all-around skill set like some of those other guys do necessarily, um, it, he can really go off and have a great day. But that he's not a week-to-week-to-week great player and that's the difference between him and other number one receivers around the league and so him being in the Rams offense where you got Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Gurley and then you got a couple young athletic tight ends um, it fits his skill set and so they've done a great job there at the Rams developing that and for good reason are the team to beat in that division just saw for the first time at least on red zone the uh, helmet rule in effect Andrew Luck went running for the first down, slides in or gets tackled from behind. And the guy coming in, the safety coming in from the top, goes in. He kind of led with his shoulder, but his helmet was down, of course, and he hit him in the helmet. So first helmet rule thing comes comes to effect here. If the Bengals don't win today's game, Marvin Lewis should be fired immediately. 
Why? Because he's Marvin Lewis and he shouldn't be the coach of this I mean, team in the first place. They're not that much better than the Colts. So let's, well, I'm saying it's not like an assured win, game, win. he should be fired. <laughs> not even assured that they're better than the Colts. Right, I feel exactly. like he should be on a game-to-game contract. Well, that, that's probably true for the last four years, but he's been going every game. He's still good. Um, but, yeah, I'm curious to see how that helmet rule starts to play because we didn't see it much in the Eagles-Falcons game, if at all. And that game had, like, 26 penalties, and we didn't even see it. So maybe I, I'm of the opinion that the NFL refs will be slightly more lenient, as they always get throughout seasons. There's, there's these big focuses on rules, and then the refs just eventually start to fade on how – strong they're they're paying attention to that as the year goes on so we'll keep you up to get up to date on what's going on in uh, in the games on the tv right now coming up next though it is time for hate it or love it jesse will ask us questions and he will give us points or deduct us points based on our answers uh they will all be nfl based although they have been for the last couple weeks anyway and uh whoever wins gets to host the last segment so that's next but first jesse has sports center Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, that music means it is time or hate it or love it. Uh, I guess I I think I won again last week, so I'm going to go second again. And Jesse, go ahead and get us started. All right, let me uh, pull up the uh, magical hotkeys, hate it or love it audio. Steph here. Uh, obviously, we're going football, football, football. Oh, yeah. Um, I think one of the jokes in football right now is the uh, Buffalo Bills. In fact, uh, I think they've been a joke for like two decades. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah um, they continue to be a joke. Uh, they got Nathan Peterman out there this week. Josh Allen's going to be the backup. Um, love or hate? Buffalo Bills will end up with the number one pick in this coming draft. Hmm. Number one, huh? Number one. That means they would have to be worse than the Browns. They would have to be worse than... Yeah, I love it. Um, Looking at the NFL right now, the Browns are not a bad team. I think there's a lot of optimism for uh, for Cleveland. Um, You've got a a great second-year guy in Miles Garrett, and you've got a seemingly a good quarterback in... With the, the 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 new guy, the Heisman winner, um, Mayfield, big, uh, Baker Mayfield. There's nothing good though, and Shady McCoy is the best thing that's going on in Buffalo. Uh, you got a tight end that we all kind of laugh at, and Charles Clay. Um, you've got a quarterback that we all laugh at, and Nathan Peterman, and then you have a backup quarterback that nobody really believes in, and Josh Allen. Uh, you've got a coach that nobody really believes in. Um, you got a defense that nobody's really sure about. Like everything about the Bills for the past season has been like, what do you mean? It's been head scratches. You let go of of somebody like Terod Taylor for what and didn't get any better. So whenever you lose a player of that caliber, you hope to get better in certain parts. And they haven't gotten better at any point. Um, I think it's going to be a struggle for the Bills, especially if Peterman is in in the ball game as your quarterback. So, yes, I could definitely see them being the worst team uh, in football this year. It's funny. I, I I love it as well. It's Looking at the standings, you can normally pick out like a couple of different teams that are going to be really, really bad. And this year, 
I'm sure there will be a couple, but the only one who sticks out like a sore thumb is the Bills. It's the only team in the NFL that sticks out like a sore thumb. Uh, the Browns have improved this year. They're not going to be great, but they're going to be better than a, a no or one win team. And then looking around the rest of the, the divisions, all the former bad teams have improved. The Bears are going to be better this year. Uh, the Buccaneers are probably going to be fine this year. The Seahawks are the worst team in the NFC West, but you know Russell Wilson's going to lead them to some wins. And I'm with Rashad. You don't know anything about the Bills other than LaShawn McCoy. He's the only guy that they have that you know anything about that's going to be good. Nathan Peterman, the fact that they picked him over Josh Allen is a huge red flag about Josh Allen because Nathan Peterman, remember, threw five interceptions and a half in his first start of his career last year. So that means Josh Allen's worse than that, and that's bad. And we all knew on draft day that whoever drafted Josh Allen would not be getting a guy who was going to be ready or would be good at all, and the Bills took him. And we all knew the Bills were going to take him just because they were being the Bills. So, yes, I love it. The Bills will be the worst team in the NFL this year, and we'll get the number one pick, which hopefully will be enough to help them be good finally. All right. Nice. Lots of points. I love dishing out points. My favorite thing about this. Uh, this one's been on there for a while. Um, I have my little list, and I highlight them when we've done it so I can go back and make sure that I haven't uh, – I'm not bringing up an old topic. Um, so this is one I did a little while ago, and I thought, I'll sit on this one for a while. And we're at the beginning of the season now, and we've kind of seen, obviously, how the offseason's unfolded. We've seen preseason. Um, and so with – that said, the Browns have not made the playoffs since 2002, the Bucks since 2007, and both the Jets and Bears since 2010. Love or hate, one of these teams, and if so, name them, will break the playoffs drought this season. You said Browns, Bucks, Jets, and who was the other one? And Bears. And Bears, okay. Hey, uh, that, that's pretty easy. We just finished talking about all the great teams in the NFC uh, West and, and South and all these things, and none of which included um, the, the, the Buccaneers. Um, the Buccaneers are the worst team in the NFC South, and that include you know, and they, they have arguably the worst quarterback in the NFC South and the guy that really can't figure out how to get it together in Jameis Winston. The Jets are the only team that has some things looking up because Sam Darnold is the real deal. Sam Darnold, I think, is going to be a really good NFL uh, quarterback. And that team around them isn't great, but it's not bad. And I feel like they have more to work with, with any, than anyone else. Uh, who was the other one? The Browns? The Browns, unfortunately, their schedule only permits them to maybe win about five or six games this year. So I don't really think the Browns are the other team. And the last team you said was was who? The, the, the Bears? The Bears have gotten better with Khalil Mack, and they were a team that defensively uh, showed a lot of moxie and a lot of heart. On the other end, they're only going to get better on defense with Khalil Mack. The big question for the Bears is, are they going to be able to move the ball with Mitch Trubisky? You know yeah, they have a good running back. They... We know Alshon Jeffrey uh, when he was there was okay, but now who who's going to be the guy to really catch the ball over there in, in, in Chicago for them? So there's a lot of question marks around them. And so of all those teams, I don't think any of them make the playoffs this year. But of all those teams, I think the Browns are definitely the closest to being in the playoffs. Uh, I hate it as well because of the divisions that they're all in. The only team that's even remotely close in the division is the Jets. And the AFC, the wildcard teams, in my opinion, are going to come out of the West and the South. The South is really, really good looking this year in terms of the teams that are there, and the West has a huge group of teams that could all finish around 9-7. and seven. So the Jets are in the best position, but I don't see them being able to do it. I do think Sam Darnold's going to be good this year, and they do. I like Robbie Anderson at wide receiver there. I like some of their weapons on offense. Uh, the Bears, I think, are going to be much improved this year. Adding Khalil Mack to a defense that was already getting better is just is a boon for them. It's absolutely huge. 
I think Mitchell Trubisky takes a big step forward, but they're in a division with three teams that are very, very good. The Vikings, as we talked about, are one of the best teams in the NFC. The Packers have a healthy Aaron Rodgers. Everyone always underrates the Lions. They're a very good team. Uh, so I don't even think the Bears can finish outside of third in that division, despite being an improved team. I'm not buying the Browns yet. They might be a little bit better, but five wins is not going to do it. And I hate the Bucs. I really don't like the Buccaneers. I think they've got a bad head coach in Dirk Cutter. I think they've got a bad quarterback situation with Winston and Fitzpatrick. They've got an awful running back situation with Ryan or Peyton Barber. Um, and uh, Ryan Jones, I think his name. I forget his name. Uh, Ronald Jones. And uh, Mike Evans hasn't been as electric in the last couple of years. So I, I'm not in it on the Bucs. But the Jets are the closest, but it's not going to happen. All right. Rashad's got the lead. Kirk, <sighs> heading into the final final question. All right. Kirkers. Stefan Diggs touchdown. Woo woo. Here's another one of my daily fantasy players. I'm not playing. Boom. Now that uh Diggs is gonna be see, this is where I said this in my fantasy podcast this last week. Things finally adjusted. Diggs is going ahead of Thielen. Not very far, but he's going ahead of Thielen. Thielen was was Keenum's man. Like, Keenum was the guy last or, uh Thielen was Keenum's guy. Diggs is Cousins' guy this year. And so Diggs is going to be the better guy this year in fantasy, just so you all know. Okay. Love or hate? This is about the Bell situation. In the offseason, I think we all agree, Bell will not be resigning with the Pittsburgh Steelers love or hate a true contender will open up the wallet to pay bell in the offseason of love yes absolutely I think there are most teams out there that are chomping at the bit to get a player like Lavian Bell um, especially considering what some of these situations look like uh, um, for some top contenders man the 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 Patriots um, are still really looking for that guy. You don't really know if it's James White, especially in, with the loss of Deion Lewis to your squad. Uh, we mentioned Rex Burkhead being hurt. So I think there's a lot of teams out there that are looking to improve right now, especially as you look around the league and you're starting to see these teams go, as we've been saying, all in. So I think there are a lot of teams that are going to be way less disrespectful than the, than the Steelers were and offer this guy who's been productive every year and has had 1,000 yards for the past three seasons that he's played at least 12 games. I think it's really hard, you know, in a league where running backs only get about 2.8 years to play. Here's a guy going into his seventh year, and it seems like he's still being the consistent player that he absolutely is. So, yes, I think there will be a lot of teams lined up to pay him and uh, I think whomever pays him, he's going to go to a great situation and they're going to win relatively quick. Uh, absolutely love this. There is always a team that will pay a player of the, of the quality of Le'Veon Bell. And there are plenty of teams in the NFL right now that are dealing with running back situations that are iffy or committees that they're not fully sure about. Some of them are doing it intentionally where they don't want to spend money on the running back position, but others are doing it out of necessity. And having a guy like Le'Veon Bell would fix so many problems. Do not forget how good Le'Veon Bell is. He, in the, the years he has played, three of the last five years, all of his career, he's played five years, he's run for over 1,250 yards in three of those years. And having average carries of almost five yards a carry and having eight to nine touchdowns in all of those seasons. He is an elite weapon on offense. Any team would be lucky to have him. And you look at a team like the Saints who got Alvin Kamara in the draft last year. Look at how much that offense changed for the better once you got an elite running back. 
There are many teams out there that could use that. Imagine the Titans, right? I, I'm not very high on Derrick Henry. I don't think he's going to be very good. Imagine the Titans with Le'Veon Bell, pressure off of Marcus Mariota. Mm, that kind of team needs him. Love. All right. All right, we did pretty good on time today. Look at that. Right I kept, I, I actually, you know, ran the clock pretty well today and. Breaks have been a little shorter. Breaks have been a little short. I think we're doing okay. All yeah. right. With that said, one of you actually has a segment to run coming up next. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that person is going to be Rashad Taylor. <sighs> Couldn't get swept, bro. Can't go 3-0 and on me. Nah. Maybe it was all part of the plan, knowing the time. Now you have an entire segment to run. A whole <laughs> segment to say something. Hot Serena Williams talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I don't know. Well, uh, football, first day. We'll talk about it. Football, football. Yeah, on the fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. <laughs> the Miami Dolphins, Ryan Tannehill has thrown a touchdown. Welcome back to the NFL, Ryan Tannehill, after missing that whole year and letting Jay Cutler come in and take your job. Well, Looks was, like he's he back hurt. to being mediocre. I don't know if that's taking the job if he's injured. but I mean, Well, he came in and he was the quarterback, and that was his job. Ergo. Kenny Stills, another touchdown. He's like a, He just always scores touchdowns. He's not very good, but he's a touchdown machine. Uh, well, you know, this year without uh, – um, um, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry. Thank you. I was having a little, little brain art there. Um, without Jarvis Landry, he and Amendola basically have to pick up all of that slack. That's a lot of targets to redistribute. Um, Amendola, as we know, is not going to stay healthy. Devontae Parker, not only has he not been any good in his career, He's hasn't been able to playing. stay healthy. Yeah, exactly. Um, Kenny Stills is going to be good this year, no matter out of necessity. He's yeah, going to be he's good. Gonna be their number one target and everything. So we'll see. Maybe in Miami, it might be like one of those addition by subtraction type things. You lose a guy like Indomitian Sue. And, you know, if you know Indomitian, he can be a bit of a of a, of a hothead sometimes. So uh, I'm sure that might change your locker room a bit. So who knows? Maybe losing a guy like Jarvis Landry, losing a guy like Indomitian Sue might force these other guys to kind of step up and, and be more playmakers on this Miami roster. But, yeah, I, I'm, I, Miami's just – when are, when are they going to be good? Like that's a team that just kind of keeps. They it's it's okay for them to be crappy because they're from Miami, I guess. But Dan Marino's not walking through that door. Not anytime soon. Eric Ebron just scored a touchdown for the Colts. Yeah. Well, I wonder why Matthew Stafford couldn't yes. get him the ball. <laughs> and I got Andrew Luck on my bench and in favor of Deshaun Watson. So if Deshaun Watson doesn't do well today, uh, I will be blaming the both of you. How about this? Uh, in Miami, yeah, you got so far the RBC running back by committee. Gore three rushes. Drake three rushes. Gore for 38 yards and Drake for 17. The game flow is not in Drake's favor. Which is should not be surprising. The amount of I couldn't believe the amount of people who were like, Kenyon Drake breakout year, and I'm like, I don't see it. Right? I don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick, by the way, having himself a day. Yeah, he's already right. got 17 fantasy points. He has a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown. For whatever reason, he's been playing way better than Jameis Winston played. Like whenever because when Jameis isn't that good. It's been small sample sizes of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but when he comes into the game for the Buccaneers, man, he's been 
He's been lights out, Loki. GM came out and said that Jameis was not the guaranteed starter when he came back from his suspension. Love or hate? Jameis Winston starts when he comes back. Oh, that's oh man, yes. Jameis Winston, he was still the number one overall pick. He is still their guy. So, yeah, he will still be the starter. Um, I'm starting to slowly lose a lot of confidence in Jameis. He's in, Jameis is not the smartest guy in the world. And uh, because of that, it's kind of hard to root for him. And with all the, you know, assault stuff, you know, I've talked to a lot of ladies in my life. I've never assaulted anyone. So I don't think it's that hard, especially when you're a, a multimillionaire and an NFL athlete. But for you to keep putting yourself in the situation, it's hard to uh, root for James. That Uber driver, though, had it was just giving off a vibe or something. Yeah, right? I guess, man. It's all about the vibes, right? Weirdo. And that's weirdo stuff to say, too. Like, uh, giving off a vibe. Come on, bro. So I don't really, be- I'm with you. I don't really believe in Tampa. And it really kind of starts with Jameis. I was really high on Jameis Winston at a point. I still think he can be really good, but I don't know. I just think he's. I don't know. Is, is he a, is he a bust? I don't want to call him a bust because he's he's shown flashes that he can be really really good. Well, you can ask him question about Mariota up to this yep. point. Is Mariota a bust? He has not been as good as people thought he would be. I mean, I think we are giving him more leeway because Mike Malarkey was his coach for so many years. Um, well, but so, I'm so, very curious what what he does under Mike Vrabel this year. So by that rationale, should we give Jameis Winston a break because Dirk Cutter is not. An awesome coach. You kind of but mentioned Dirk, it during Hater. But Dirk Cutter is known as a good offensive coach, which is interesting. And you said how how well Ryan Fitzpatrick's played when Winston hasn't been there. So if you remember in Hard Knocks a couple of years ago, all it was to Jameis from Dirk Cutter was reminders of basic things. Jameis Winston doesn't do the basic things right. He doesn't do the small things right. He plays loose, and that's fine. But he doesn't set his feet well. He makes poor reads. And it's been years. And I remember watching Hard Knocks and going, Jameis Winston doesn't do this yet. He hasn't gotten this figured out, these these little fundamental things yet. And I was like, I I think Jameis Winston thinks he's still really good and doesn't need to listen to the coaching he's getting because he probably has never needed to. I don't think Dirk Cutter's a great coach. Like, I mean, and I think, man, Fitzpatrick is somebody who's – he's a – is a veteran guy. He's a journeyman. So he's played in a lot of different systems with a lot of different receivers to kind of figure out what they're able to do. I think it's much easier for for somebody like that to go in and, and play backup, especially considering nobody's really game planning for you. Like I think most people that are planning to play the Buccaneers are game planning for a Jameis Winston. And then when he's not on the field, it's like, oh, well, we have to worry about that because he's not going to scramble on us or because he's not going to throw it that deep because his arm isn't as strong and, you know, he catches you off guard. Maybe. I, but, yeah, All right, we might have to start talking bust soon for both of them. Is that James Conner scored a touchdown? James Conner just it scored. It is James Conner. So whomever picked him up in your fantasy leagues, I'm sure super, super happy right now. Um, yeah, I just, they could both be bust. Both Winston and Mariota could both be considered bust here soon. Now, Mariota's going to be the starter in Tennessee for a while. You have that. I mean, he's a great teammate. He's a good leader. He's not bad by any means. City he, loves him. Yeah, but he's just not – he hasn't played like a number two pick yet. And obviously I would desperately love that to happen because I love Mariota. I, lo- I loved him here and he's, he's fun to watch and he's when he's playing well, at his highest level, he's fun to He's been to the playoffs play. a couple times, just once, just once last year. And he won so, a game and he won, and he won a game. He had a, a, one of the great, at least in my memory, one of the great playoff moments, uh, throwing a touchdown to himself and running it in for said touchdown. So 
I mean, I think Mariota has shown more than Jameis that, man, he can be the guy and he can be, you know, the person. Uh, it looks like, looks like well, the Bills close. are getting the getting the ball ran all over them right now. Shocking. Hmm. <laughs> I did not see that coming. I'll I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't see the Bills being that bad. That's a lie. We all saw the Bills being that bad. Looks like the weather sucks in Baltimore too. Yeah. Mm. Football You're, season's back. It's raining in all the football games. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind rainy football games. Like you know, especially having played in some of those. Those are actually pretty fun. Now, being a spectator at a rainy football game, way different. You know, when you're out there moving and everything, you're not really thinking about the rain, not thinking about the cold. But when you're just a sitting duck, let's go, James White. Yes. Ah, there you go. There we go. Let's get on there the board. You go. Let's get on the board. But I, I I love going to those games uh, as a as a as an athlete as a spectator. Man, when it starts raining at these high school games, man, I'm doing updates from the car. For sure, because those games get really, really cold right around the middle of October and towards into November. Uh, Leonard Fournette just got this update, went into the medical tent in uh, the Jaguars-Giants games, so that's not good. No, that's definitely not. And if and if you're uh, Jacksonville, you're really depending on Leonard Fournette to be uh, be really the guy for you. You know, he came in last year and he really changed everything. We've been talking about Jacksonville for years being this is the year, this is the year where Blake Bortles does this, the year where he does this. They finally got this great running back, and all of a sudden all those things that we've been talking about came to fruition. So he is super, super important, really more than Alan Hearns and um, who was, what's the other guy? Uh, well, they're Alan both Hearns. gone. Well, no, I'm saying more important to what they were to that team. Like Oh, Hearns and uh, Robinson. And, and, and he came in in one year and really changed this team from uh, a laughing stock to a competitor. You can give a lot of credit to Jalen Ramsey as well. But I think I'm putting more on that on Leonard Fournette. Well, that defense in general was it's just amazing. Yeah, the defense is nasty. So <clears throat> well, I got it. He has a hamstring injury and is questionable to return. Hmm. Womp womp. He got hurt last year too, didn't he? I think so. Early in the season, and he missed a couple of weeks. So maybe, maybe he's going to be a guy who is not going to be healthy too frequently. And someone asked in the text line, the Better You Today text line, 55305, why I don't like Derrick Henry that much. Generally, I just don't like the big bruising running back anymore in this day and age of the NFL. I I don't feel like that style fits anymore. And defenses are so good and the fronts are so good that if you're one of the bigger bruising running backs, it's just harder to get through the hole. Now, Henry's a little faster than a guy like Trent Richardson was and he catches passes fine, but they also added Deion Lewis to catch passes. I don't know. I'm just not high on him. I've... I've... I don't know. I'm I'm not a big fan of of Derrick Henry either, but only because I just feel like he hasn't panned out, and because he's from the SEC, we're going to keep giving him a pass. If he was from any other conference, he would have been dismissed already. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks so much for listening. Next week, although I I thought we were going to be on earlier, I'm pretty sure we're on nine to eleven next week. So uh, check us out. We'll be back at the same time slot, and we will have our fantasy scramble, of course, at nine thirty. All your start sit questions. Thanks so much for texting those in today. And uh, tweeting them in at us as well. You can find us on Twitter at Mike Lynch 27. Rashad's at TaylorMade503. Jesse's at Jesse Osman, A-S-Z-M-A-N. And then the fan is at 1080 The Fan. A Seahawks pregame coming up next against the Broncos in week one. And we'll be back next week, 9 to 11. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Football. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.